Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PursuitsGrowRoom.com. In this week's interview, we're speaking to Tad Hassey, who has been on the show before, and you might also know him from the podcast called Cannabis Cultivation and Science, and he's also the founder of KISS Organics, K-I-S Organics, which is, keep it simple, organics. He's been on the show before, and we spoke about KISS before and his podcast as well. But this time he's mainly coming back to speak about his new podcast project, which he works on with Chad Westport, who is a good friend of the show, called Dope History. We talk about organics a little bit at the start of the show, and then halfway through, Chad joins us, and we talk to Chad and Tad about the Dope History project, which they've been working on for a while now. It sounds super cool, man. And if you enjoy podcasts, which you should do if you download this one, then you can find their podcast, Dope History, on all major podcast networks. But anyway, we'll get stuck in with the interview and you'll find out more at the end of this. See you in a bit. It's good to hear from you, man. It's been a while since we had you on the show. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you reaching out. Good to hear from you guys too. We appreciate being on the show, mate. It's always good to chat to you. So we'll, we'll quickly introduce ourselves for those listening. And, you know, just for the sake of introducing ourselves, you know, I am Mackie from the UK. We have Monkey. Monkey, you want to say hi? Hey, Dad. Monkey down here in the Southeast United States. And then we have Tad. Tad, do you want to introduce yourself and let everybody know what you do? Sure. Yeah, my name is Tad Hussey. Um, I have a company called uh, KIS Organics where we make uh, soils and uh, organic amendments uh, primarily for the cannabis industry, but also gardeners in general. And then I also have a consulting business called Kaizen Consulting and a podcast called Cannabis Cultivation and Science. And then lastly, we just launched a new podcast called Dope History. That's right, man. And hopefully Chad is going to be joining us in a bit as well, because you worked on that project with Chad Westport, all right? Yes, that's correct. Chad's, cool. Chad's cool. great. Yeah, he's a good friend of the show. He's been on the show many times, been on the panel. And we always like to chat shit with Chad. You know, when he, when he comes on the show, we always get a bit nostalgic and start talking about 80s stuff, you know? <laughs> well, Chad and I went to, uh, we actually played baseball together, I think, when we were like 12 or 13. No uh, way. Didn't even realize it. So uh, we're the same age, so I can probably relate to all that stuff. Cool. Cool. I didn't know. You so you grew up in the same area. Yeah, we did. And then he moved south. We actually, and recently I moved south too, but um, yeah, we're, we're a few hours away from each other now. Nice. You said you do a consulting business there as well. Is that a new thing? Uh, no, I've had it for a couple of years. Uh, right. It's with myself, uh, the owner of Goldleaf Gardens, Nate, Nate Gibbs, and then um, Ben, Dr. Ben Higgins. He's a research scientist. And so the three of us have a partnership there to help with everything from facility design to uh you know uh sops all the stuff related to running a commercial facility mm-hmm. cool man I, I wasn't aware that you did that as well because I, I know you from doing i mean first off i i first discovered who tad has is through this uh cultivation of science podcast so i used to listen to that back in the day before we had a podcast long time ago <laughs> awesome 
Yeah. You've been doing that for a long time now, haven't you? Yeah, I think we're on my sixth year now. Wow. Got over a hundred podcasts, but some of you guys just produce so many podcasts. I just can't keep up. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, we put out three episodes a week right now. That's incredible. Yeah. But it's just all an edit from one Sunday show, really. <laughs> no, that's very cool. Yeah. It's good fun. It's good fun. I mean, I'm sure you know you, you've been doing it for a long time now. But yeah, the dope history thing, we'll talk about when Chad gets here. I'll, I'll message him in a minute to remind him. But, so how's Kiss Organics going? You said you moved further south. I think the last time we spoke to you, we'd recently moved. Yeah, well, I had a farm in Redmond where we had a Redmond, Washington, where we had a uh, seven acre farm and feed store, organic hydro shop, uh, outdoor preschool. We had like pigs and chickens and goats. And we had um, all these things going on on the property. We were an edible nursery. We we're growing all this food. And long story short, uh, we got shut down by the county by uh, for some silly bureaucratic stuff. And uh, there was no longer any reason to stay in the area. So Ended up moving a little further south, closer to the water. Uh, we love it, and um, yeah, just now we're just focused on the on Kiss Organics, just the mm. uh, the online side of things now, rather than managing a, a full on farm. All right, is it, I think you was making soil and stuff the last time we spoke as well. That was going to be one of your projects, making some living soil. Yeah, we've been making living soil now for over a decade. We were one of the All very right. first companies actually to to do that um so you're still doing that yeah that's our main business right now cool. is soil and soil consulting sweet so how often do you do your podcast uh as often as i can uh probably mm. once every two weeks i just finished a long interview recording uh earlier today with bryant mason of soil doctor consulting who is an okay. awesome agronomist if you ever want to go deep on like soil testing and understanding how to like scientifically amend your soils. Uh, he's, he's a great resource for that too. Oh, cool, man. I might have to check that out. When's the, your episode coming out for that? The, I suppose you do the interview, do the editing and it gets out like a week later or something. Yeah. Maybe this week or next week at the latest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, I'm not as professional as you guys on my uh, production side. No, we're not professional. Think- we just throw it all together, bro. <laughs> we just make it look professional. That's all. There you go. <laughs> yeah, put some bows and whistles on. Uh, yeah, I want to say though, in general, like um, this has been a really tough year for the cannabis industry. I want to acknowledge that, like for growers, um, our the American economy, as kind of everywhere, has just been really hard with inflation and supply chain challenges. Yeah, and- inflation and shrinkflation as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. everything's so- getting smaller for the same price and shit. Everything's going crazy. Yeah, it's, it's it's tough. And then there's been a massive oversupply of cannabis here in the United States. Um, mm. So the price, the values have just been shot way down. And so um, unless you're growing like really high top shelf stuff, it's hard to get um, get any good, decent price for your product. In fact, mm-hmm. I was talking with a guy yesterday here in Washington, and he said like some of the stores are buying ounces for six bucks right now. Wow. Yeah. No, I said this to my missus the other day. She went to the shop and she bought uh, 30 grams of tobacco. And I, I don't smoke, so I don't know how much it costs. But I said, how much is that tobacco now? She didn't even know. You know, you just pay for it <laughs> with the card. Mm-hmm. Beep. You don't have to pay for shit. It comes on the card, doesn't it? But uh, it was like 16 pound. I was like, God wow. damn, man. I was like, do you know TG's out there in Canada? You can get ounces for like $18 now. 
it's like that that's cheaper than tobacco ca- cannabis in some places in the USA now are cheaper than tobacco is in the UK and that's fucking crazy man mm-hmm. it is crazy mm-hmm. and you can't grow you just can't grow it for those those price points and and, mm-hmm. and survive yeah no I mean, it's not worth it, is it? Especially as well with the energy prices. You guys in the USA don't have the same issue. I mean, I suppose it's going up a little bit because it's happening all over the world. But in the in the UK right now, energy prices are skyrocketing and it's getting more and more expensive to produce cannabis here in the UK. Like yeah, you, that's, that's tough. Yeah, it used to be one of the good things about growing is, you know, it's cheap to produce a lot of cannabis. But if we could get cannabis over here for that price for like $10 an ounce, there wouldn't be it, it would cost you more money to grow cannabis than it would be to buy it from the shop at that that point yeah like the going rate for like the buddy rate back in the day for me uh with with friends and stuff was like 200 dollars an ounce mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. the yeah the price yeah, yeah. which was to me very fair for a good quality product mm-hmm. um you make a few bucks and yet you're not like ripping anyone off and you know the fact that people are having to sell it for you know, such low prices now. Like you, you can't, you can't get quality at that price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not the so, same, is it? No, and that that is one thing we're seeing is is people are leaning towards. People are willing to pay more for better quality now. They don't want the mm-hmm. same stuff just grown with like cheap commercial nutrients, um, hydro style. They want mm-hmm. something that actually has some flavor to it and some. Yeah. Well, organic seems to be going, uh, seems to be the right way to go. Everybody seems to be heading in the organic direction nowadays. Have you seen that? Well, it's, it's hard to say because that's who I work with for the most part. So I, those are the people that find me. I don't, I don't work with a lot of uh, conventional growers or Mm -hmm. chem growers. Um, But what I will say is some of the laws over here right now around heavy metals make it um, nearly impossible to grow using organic soils. Damn, really? I've been um, seeing a lot of talk about the heavy metals in soils as well. Is that affecting the organic people then? It's affecting you guys. Well, yes and no. So like with our soils, we really work to lower our heavy metals um, to levels that where you can pass in every state. Um, there's really only Massachusetts right now where I, I wouldn't feel completely confident saying, yeah, just run our soil um, just because their levels are so restrictive that it's nearly impossible um, but it, it's usually not a problem for heavy metals. Like it's, it's usually when people are using soils that have high, heavy metals or, or they're using amendments like soft rock phosphate or rock dust or, uh, kelp and things in high levels and aren't looking in, looking at what heavy metals those are bringing in like arsenic and cadmium and lead. And then you can start to see an issue in the, in the tissue, the leaf tissue. So it's all about just proper management. So that's what we try and work with people on because we have cultivators in Michigan and Oklahoma and New York and all these different States that are passing no problem using our soil, but um, it does require management. You can't just add whatever you want um, without paying attention. Got it. Now uh, Massachusetts has such a restrictive soil requirements. Do they, I'm curious though, is that just for cannabis in Massachusetts that has that requirement or is this all crops? No, that's the other thing that's not really fair is that it's all like when I, when I talk about this, it's really um, just cannabis. They're not looking oh, at boy. our vegetables. Damn. Um, so I could grow tobacco hypothetically in Massachusetts and they wouldn't care what soil I put it in. 
well, it's not the soil. It's just what heavy metals are taken up by the plant. So if your bottled okay. nutrient has arsenic or cadmium, it's so all, all of these things can, they, they can come in naturally from your well yes. water. I mean, I see arsenic in, in well water. I see uranium in well water. Um, you'd be surprised the different things that are in water. Um, it can come in from like in Oklahoma, a lot of the soils, the native soils have arsenic in them already. So it can blow in as dust into your facility even if your facility was clean originally. So there's a lot of different ways people can fail for heavy metals. Um, wow. One person in Oklahoma city had, uh, they were in an old building downtown and the, they were doing construction next door and just the, the construction on, you know, in the building in another room was knocking enough dust off of the ceiling onto the buds. And that was causing them to fail. So, wow. um, it, you really have to be a detective and kind of pay attention to what's going on. And there's things you can do like running a higher pH will help reduce some of that uptake. And there's testing and management strategies um, that are a little more complicated, but they're not looking at our vegetables. They're not looking at tobacco. Um, I, I was having this conversation actually with Bryant. I was like, I was in, I was in the store the other day and I was looking at organic tomatoes. Cause I'm an organic guy. I buy organic food. Mm -hmm. Um, where I can, even though I, you know, I pay a premium for it. Yeah. Um, Cause I think it's important, but I was looking at these tomatoes. And I was like, these tomatoes were grown organically in Mexico. Do I trust that more than say these hydroponically grown tomatoes in a hot house in California? Like, I don't know the heavy metal levels in these organic tomatoes. And if I know that, you know, in general with tomatoes, they're not spraying a lot of, you know, particular pesticides, what would actually be the better option? health-wise. So mm. it, it gets, it gets complicated, I guess, as you think about it. Mm -hmm. Nothing straightforward about that question at all, is there? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> no, but yeah, the, so the rules. Why and are they doing that? Why, cannabis. why are they forcing cannabis to be, why are they being so strict with the rules when it comes to cannabis and not everything else? Because they can be, because they don't, they don't want it yeah, necessarily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they do want it because they love the rev tax revenue dollars. But mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, the the tobacco industry, especially, is able to lobby for more restrictive regulations for cannabis, which ultimately I think helps them. Mm -hmm. As as can the pharmaceutical companies. So yeah, both yep, of those things are against. Yeah, both of those. That's things a great point. Cannabis people. Yeah. So what would the how would you say there's a certain percentage of cannabis that just gets rejected and can't be sold? Well, there obviously is, but is it a large percentage now? Is it more than what's been? Is there more that gets discarded because it has heavy metals than is allowed into the market? Yeah, or it gets sold on the black market, mm -hmm. and that's the other thing. Like there was so much stuff that people used to use in cannabis. I mean, mm -hmm. that, like paclobutrazol and and other crap that never was even legally allowed. So like some regulation is good. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want yeah, people sure. yeah. using PGRs that are cancer causing. Mm -hmm. So but that's it. They use loads of chemicals on food that is cancer causing and nothing gets said about it. <laughs> yeah. Glyophosphate is it that shit that's been in the food for ages. Yeah, we actually so, use it to stabilize food. Don't but glyphosate, Maggie? Oh, yeah, glyphosate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roundup. Gly glyophosphate. Is, it, is that not the same thing? I just say it different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think we just say it differently than you. I knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just getting it completely wrong. I'm not sure. And is this uh, predominantly in Washington as well? Because you say it, Washington's up in the far left, right? 
we tend to be more liberal here in Washington and uh, the yes. major well in the major okay. cities. Like mm-hmm. you're in the South, so I'm sure it seems crazy liberal to you. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, in general, the uh, borders or the edges of our country, the the coasts tend to be more liberal, and the major yeah. cities tend to be more liberal. And then every everywhere rural is conservative. Yeah. Damn. So are you growing right now? You growing cannabis? Right this second, I'm not. I grew an outdoor crop this year, um, but I'm I'm in the process of setting up a room at my cool. house because um, we do have medical laws here, so I can do that legally. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to having a space where I can I can grow and and show a lot of the methodologies and stuff around what we do. Nice, but like yeah, a YouTube channel on your YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. So it must be nice to be able to do things like that. I'm so sick of it here in the UK. There's so many restrictions. You know, we're still well, pretty much fully illegal here, really. I mean, we have medical, but you have to pay for a shitload of money to be medical. And it's not like you can grow your own yet. So you still have to hide behind these screens and these avatars and shit. It would be yeah. nice to be able to do a proper YouTube channel and, you know, make proper videos about having to hide behind a fucking toadstool getting high, you know? it's ridiculous man yeah yeah no it is it isn't fair Mm. well we'll get there i mean everywhere they've legalized it they've seen uh improvements in terms of like a a variety Mm -hmm. of different metrics um usage hasn't usage has increased in some in some states but not in every state but tax revenue has increased we're not seeing like increased violence or um, increased drug use overall and some of these other things that everyone's been afraid of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i guess it depends upon what studies you look at because it seems like they can report it and make it sound horrible sometimes even though it, i have to agree with you that legalization has done nothing but good in, in the places where it's actually happened mm-hmm. but we still have the we still have that segment of the population that will try and vilify us any way they possibly can yeah, we're cluttering our prison with nonviolent offenders that exactly yeah, you know don't belong it, in jail no, 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 no. This is a medicine. People need this. It's, it's not a crime. It's one of those crazy things. Mm. So, so Kiss Organics, you said that they're spreading out. How many states are you in now? Oh, I have no idea, honestly. Um, <laughs> That's a, a good lot. thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we're in Washington, Oregon, um, Montana. We have quite a few growers, Oklahoma. It's a lot, of the, a lot of the states that have legal recreational things. So we work with home growers too. I think that's a really important to support, but we mm-hmm. do, we do our, our primary uh, customer is, is probably people growing commercially uh, okay. just because we do a lot of like things around science that are science-based. We, um, we, we, we work hard on like being mo- the most efficient on scale for growing because there's a lot of other companies that will that sell to the home grower that offer a lot more products. And, and frankly, a lot of it is just kind of marketing bullshit. You don't need these things. But when you get to a commercial scale, you can't afford to be applying all of these extra products. Um, mm-hmm. They just don't make sense, especially mm-hmm. with the low price of cannabis. So you really have to focus on you know doing this with the, the least number of touches and the fewest amount of dollars to make it you know profitable. Got it. Yeah, damn man. Yeah, that falling price. I bet people are regretting it going legal, man. <laughs> you know, they're making a shitload of money before it was legalized, and and now, damn you. Some people are growing at a loss. It's a damn shame. Yeah, a lot of people lost their farms in the last couple of years. It's really sad. Damn. 
but there's still opportunities in some of these new states that are coming online um, and passing laws to legalize. So we are seeing some growth there. And at the end of the day, like all the growers that we work with that are uh, producing high quality cannabis are mm. doing fine. Like they're, yeah. they're selling out, they're still getting a, a good price for their product. But um, if you're not a good grower and you don't, you know, you just think it's going to be this like green rush of, of dollars, it's, it, it doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's plenty of green mids out there. Everybody can find that stuff. And this is what the market does when you just leave it alone to do its thing. You know, the good stuff stays and the bad stuff goes, man. That's what happens. And I think that's what's going to happen eventually all over the cannabis market. Just let the market do its thing, man. Start in, in, when the government get involved and they subsidize certain companies and keep them afloat with taxpayer money, and that causes problems, man. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing I like here in Washington, though, is, is we don't allow... Um, we we don't allow for like multi-state operators. So you don't get these massive large companies that come in and take over and kind of mm. squeeze the price down for everybody. Yeah. Um, some of these other states still have like five licenses is all they release. And so if you don't have $10 million to even get involved, you, you don't even have a shot at it. Wow. Or they let these other companies come in and they can produce uh, just mids at a such a low price point that it kind of squeezes everyone else out. So at least, you know, there's, there are some companies that are quite large here in Washington, but the canopies are capped. Um, so in theory, there's room for more craft farmers and more mm. diversity in the marketplace. Yeah. I suppose that's a good thing. Eh? It's, it's horrible to see these big companies rolling into States and just taking over. And then all the, you know, these old school growers who have been doing it for a long time, but on a much smaller scale, they just get left behind, man. They can't even open up a farm. It's a shame. Yeah. And it's a different skill set, you know, growing 30 mm-hmm. plants to growing 300 plants to growing, you know, 30,000 mm-hmm. plants. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of these growers don't have that skill set to be able to manage a team of people to grow on that scale either. So mm-hmm. it forces mm-hmm. people out that way too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that concerns me here in the UK because we're just waiting so long before we legalize over here. When it does happen, we're just going to have companies from the States, from, from Canada, just hop over here and open everything up. And all the legacy growers here in the UK are just going to get left behind with no chance of ever doing anything. Yeah. It's a, it's a damn shame. We see that here in the States, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of people from California migrated to Oklahoma when they went legal and, mm-hmm kind of created a scene over there. So you end up with the exact same thing that you had in California. So yeah, it's, it's a real problem. It's a real concern. I think, I think you're mm-hmm. right to worry about that. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. You know, it'll open up and there'll be farms opening up from where they're growing in the UK, but they'll just be getting people. It's like, it won't open up as many jobs as you think, because they'll be bringing people from the USA and from Canada who have got years of experience in growing, you know, instead of just picking up somebody in the UK has been growing illegally for 10 years. I'll grab somebody who's been growing legally in the States and be like, you can be our head grower. Come on, get this shit silly. Yeah. So yeah. it's just going to happen, man. It's a shame. But I, I do have confidence that the, you, you know, the lower down growers, the craft growers over time, I think will be okay. It, it'd just be more specialized, like a, like a special scotch, you know, a special kind of brandy or something that people spend more money on it because it's high quality and, just while renowned rather than just, you know, like you said, big companies growing mids. 
that's going to be yeah. happening a lot, man. Yeah, we are seeing like higher price point for organics or living soil growers uh, mm -hmm. in California than we would for, uh, you know, people are just running Athena or some, you know, bottle of nutrient line. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's already playing out to a certain extent, which is, which is good. But how much do you pay for your cannabis out there in Washington? Oh man, I don't, I couldn't answer that because I don't go to a store enough. Um, <laughs> that's a good thing, I, man. I usually get sampled out or I can, uh, I, grow my own. So I did grow an outdoor crop, uh, here. I had like, like 15 plants that were all six, seven feet tall. Damn. Um, so I didn't really need the sourcing and I'm not a big cannabis user. I'll be the first to admit it. It mm -hmm. doesn't, my endocannabinoid system is very different than yours. Um, well, I don't use a lot of cannabis nowadays, mate. I uh, barely even smoke it really just once okay. a week. Maybe <laughs> I don't smoke much at all, man. Yeah, I uh, I just get lazy and sit on the couch, and then like I just eat everything in sight, and I it it just doesn't uh, it just doesn't hit me the same <laughs> as like my brother and some of my my friends and stuff who are much more functional on it than I am, and we're talking yeah. like the tiniest amount, like two hits off a pipe, and I'm I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> so about, about the same for me, man. And then then I'm pretty fucking cooked after that. Yeah. Two hits on a pipe, you know, hit the bong. You're pretty fucked, man. Damn. And I used to be able to <laughs> smoke so much. I was such a heavy smoker. I'd smoke a cue a day. You know, seven grams a day I would have uh, consumed easily back in my heyday there. And, you know, I've been able to function just fine. But but now, <laughs> if I did seven grams, damn. The seven grams will last me a month. You know, maybe yep. two. <laughs> damn. It's crazy, man. It's crazy to think. Yeah, that is crazy. Mm. But I feel better for it. It's it's like I felt as if I was just abusing cannabis for such a long time and didn't have a, the right kind of respect for it that I have for it now. I mean, for me, I like I, I like it occasionally, but uh, the real enjoyment for me is growing it. Like, I mm -hmm. just think it's a fun plant to grow. I, I'm a, mm -hmm. I was a vegetable grower by trade, so I grew up growing plants. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. My parents owning a nursery and frankly, it's, it's one of the only crops that we are still doing research on. Like corn is boring. We know everything there is to know about mm -hmm. corn, apples, tomatoes. Like I'm, that's just not that exciting to me. Um, other than the fact I like to eat those things, but mm -hmm. like with cannabis, there's just so much genetic diversity. There's so much we're still learning. There's so many things we can try and contribute to like the scientific community when it comes to cannabis. That's, mm -hmm. that's why I started the podcast. Um, and, and why I enjoy growing this plant so much mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. luckily for me my wife still uses cannabis so i get to roll joints for her I don't, I don't uh i don't miss doing that you know i can still roll joints and she still smokes so i can grow for her and not necessarily for me because like you man I, I enjoy the process of growing it's a fun plant to grow so well, how do you how do you grow uh, I was growing organically nowadays because so, I used to be a big cocoa grower. I just growing cocoa for years, but then I moved over to living soil and I would uh, amend my own soil and shit, use worm castings, some fish blood and bone, uh, some chicken shit pellets. They always went down well, mix that up in some soil and then just let the plants go, man. They just do their thing. You just water them for like three months. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> Every four or five days, stick your head in the tent and have a look. Be like, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll water them today. You barely have to do anything. They just do their own thing. It's crazy. Nice. Are you, yeah. uh, 
Are you soil testing at all or is, are you? No, just no, just wing it, it mate. <laughs> just winging it. Has that ever <laughs> backfired on you? Uh, not really. Not yet. Anyway. Not yet. Okay. I, mean, I okay. suppose it will one day. I'm always curious to think, uh, you know, is this too strong now? But it's never been too strong. It just is just, just fine, man. It's oh, crazy. Good. Yeah. I don't know how I'll get away with it. I just uh, mix it up real good, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because I can look at a soil test now and and like I just I just put up on our Instagram today a soil test um in honor of my latest interview today. Uh looking at like what's the limiting factor of growth here? And I could tell just from this one test that like this crop, if we if you were just to plant in it today, you wouldn't get the results that you would want. Right. Your yields would be low. Um basically in this case, the pH was too low because it was dr being driven down by excess nitrates. And, uh, the amount of nitrogen they had in there was enough for like three or four crop cycles. And so the buds were going to end up being larfy. The plants would be dark mm -hmm. green. We needed to flush the soil before re-amending the bed and planting. So right. I, we do, I do see that. Um, now that being said, like the buffering capacity of living soils is so much higher that you definitely have a wider range of, uh, like to play with. So you can, you can, you don't have to have a perfect recipe, um, or test every time and you can still get decent results. But mm. if you want to dial it in, um, that the, the testing and, and and some of that makes a huge difference. So I've never tested the soil and I, I wouldn't even know what to do to test the soil though. How, how would you, how would I test my soil? You take a small sample, dig down about six inches wearing like a glove and uh, send that into a soil lab and then they'll send you back your results. And um, it gets a little complicated after that yeah, because yeah. Uh, what you're talking about, what we're calling living soil here is really soilless media. So like the podcast I just did with Bryant was talking about some of those differences because there's some numbers on there like cation exchange capacity and organic matter percentage that just don't apply to potting soils like they do to actual soils that are mm -hmm. sand silt and clay mm -hmm. um in the ground so yeah we just did a podcast about building soil and it, it always made me wonder because you have that triangle don't you where you have this the silt the clay and the soil you know that that soil triangle where these three things go together to make soil but when we build mm -hmm. soil we don't put any clay in it you know so what why don't we yeah. do why don't we do that man why don't we try and make it as close to outside soil as possible you know of course you don't want it to have good drainage you don't want too much clay but you should have some right you don't well the reason we don't do that is for a few reasons the biggest being it's not optimal when we talk about like plant growth um we can create a we, we can formulate a soil mix using potting soil that's you know peat based for example that's going to mm. outperform um you know, a, a clay-based actual soil mm -hmm. um, in in ninety nine percent of the cases. So that's that's one of the main reasons. Um, also, like sourcing materials, some things are easier to source consistently um, when it, when it comes to building soil and getting consistent results. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, there are some people that promote using actual clay and creating horizontal horizontal layers in your soil and in beds and stuff, but um, the the reasoning behind it is not necessarily sound. Yeah, you know, I get I get that a lot actually. So it's an interesting question if you think about it. A lot of organic people 
think that um, because something is natural or it occurs in nature, it, it's better for plants. Um, right. And that, that's Spider not necessarily natural. <laughs> that's that's absolutely true. Like a lot of these things are natural, but then to spider mites, they'd say, well, it's part of a natural ecosystem and you only get spider mites if your plant's not fully healthy mm-hmm. um, because you haven't balanced the bacteria and microorganisms or <clears throat> your fertility is offered. So they always have an excuse, but the reality is like if the pest pressure of spider mites is high enough, you're going to get spider mites and doesn't matter how healthy your plant is. It's still something that spider mites are going to eat. That's like saying like, Sorry, I'm staring at this monkey photo here and I'm like, okay, well, that's like <laughs> handing a, a monkey a banana and being like, well, this is a super healthy banana. It's not going to eat it. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> that's a food source. Like mm-hmm, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But this idea that just because something occurs in nature doesn't necessarily mean that's optimized for plant growth. Like this, so the example of this was this horizontal like soil system thing. Like, yes, outside our soil is formed geologically in layers. Is that optimal for plant health and plant growth? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. If we can homogenize our soil mix so the roots can go right into it, if we can use other inputs that are you know, more optimized for plant health, then we're going to have a better outcome. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always just like the idea of heading to the woods, you know, at the start of spring where, you know, that it's been through winter and everything's biodegraded itself into the soil and you know that all those lush plants are going to start growing over springtime and summer they'd never need feeding so imagine you just get all that that good shit from the soil let's get a couple of hundred liters of soil from the woods and use that to grow your plants man it just seems as if it would be fucking perfect but it probably isn't no nope. <laughs> well you have to think too though a lot of those plants don't have nearly the fertility needs that cannabis needs if we're growing it indoors and we're pushing the plant with you know higher ppfd mm-hmm. higher light levels maybe higher co2 levels higher definitely higher fertility levels um th- there's a lot of variables associated with it that need to be taken into account mm-hmm. um i mean it might be great soil too yeah you, you never know yeah yeah well it's great soil for the plants that were growing there because that's why they're growing there they got naturalized because they like that yeah. you know yeah, they just you know you just never see a, a nettles bush out in the woods with a nitrogen deficiency. <laughs> no, because it's growing in soil that it, that it's comfortable with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, soil you know is, what, it though? just seems complex. You know, sorry, Tad. Oh, oh no, no, I was just going to add though. If you look closely at, at plants outdoors, you'll see they all have some level of like insect damage. But nature kind of keeps that under control. But we don't mm-hmm. have that same. We don't have those natural predators indoors, so mm, right. mm. pests can get out of control. But yeah. You know, there's no such thing outside as a perfect plant mm. that's like perfectly healthy. It will have some discoloration of leaves or it'll have, you know, some insect bites or herbivore bites or things like that. And that's totally normal. And it's, it's okay, I guess, too. Yeah, it's natural. Isn't it? It's nature. Yeah, nature knows what it's doing. One of the most common things we see with new growers is they panic when they see the first little blister on a leaf and like, well, it's just a blister. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, that I want to mention is like, um, and this is, I I guess, somewhat controversial, but I don't think it should be is a lot of people will run cover crops indoors or or heavy mulches and things. Hmm. And yes, those plants occur outside, but a lot of the, they're adding cover crops brings in a lot more ecology for pests. It's a whole nother crop you have to manage. Um, it can make fertility recommendations sometimes more challenging, um, 
it will help with like water evapotranspiration, but when I'm in an indoor space like that, I'm not as concerned with my water usage. It's not, um, I'm not, it's not the same as like, if you were outside in the hot sun trying to grow a crop where cover crops make a ton of sense or certain mulches make a ton of sense. So mm. it's this idea of like, Oh, it's more natural. It's more diverse. It's, yeah, I, so, I would argue it's not. So pretty much you're not trying to bring outdoors indoors because they're just two completely different growing methods. Yeah. I, I think we have to look at how, how we're growing and what our goals are. Mm. And then from that, we can look at what techniques or methods are optimized for what we're doing. So there are many circumstances outdoors where I would use cover crops. And I think they make a ton of sense. Um, there's circumstances when I would want to till the soil outdoors. Hmm. Um, but this idea that, you know, we should always do something a certain way. Yeah. Doesn't take into account all of, all that variability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One size doesn't fit all with this kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of things need to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Well, I should really get my soil tested. <laughs> well, just if you do, I'd, I'd be done. happy to, um, I'm happy to do a, a podcast with you going over the results and talking about what maybe what know, to do to make it better. It. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't even know if we have soil testing places in the UK. Sure. You have do, to. Right. You got farmers sure in the are. UK, somebody test soil guarantee it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. My, uh, oh God, Billy Bonds in the chat said my doctors tested my soil last year. Yeah, thanks, Billy. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> You're probably talking about a completely different kind of soil, right? Yeah, we won't even go there. There's <laughs> something wrong oh. with this guy. Yeah, it, it's always best not to listen to Billy. Yeah, is this live? I didn't realize we're well, doing just a live. uh, just for a few people. It's not like uh, all over YouTube. There's only five people watching. Just patrons. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, just a few people sit in the background there. Oh, right on. I, it's all good. I just didn't didn't know that. Yeah. Well, maybe I should tell people when they join. You know, we are live. There is people watching. Don't say <laughs> fuck or bugger. You know, but, but these are trusted folk. Trusted folk. Oh, it's all good. But yeah, well, man. Uh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I, I do enjoy growing organics. It is a nice way to grow. But cocoa is good as well, man. I enjoyed growing in cocoa. It's like there's so many good ways to grow cannabis. You just have to find out what, what works best for you, you know? what works best for the individual. Yeah. I, I see. I'm not a huge fan of cocoa mm. um, because I like to put in a lot of fertility at the beginning of the cycle Yeah, and cocoa has a much higher pH. So I can't put in as many cations like uh, um, sorry, calcium, magnesium, uh, potassium, that sort of thing. All right. Um, but cocoa, I think is really great if you want a neutral pH and you're going to run a bottled, a bottle of nutrient line. Mm-hmm. I think cocoa is better than peat in a lot of ways for that, but All right. there's so, some. So with your soil, what soil do you use? You use your own kiss organic soil, right? Yeah. We, we formulate soils specifically for cannabis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you come to do your, uh, your grow, which you're building up now, you're going to be using your special soil. Yeah. I'm going to use our soils. Absolutely. <laughs> is, is it a uh, water only soil? Like, can you get through the whole crop with just water? Yeah, you can. I mean, it, it depends. So if you're in a two gallon pot, you're, there's not enough volume of soil there for us to put in enough fertility for a full cycle. Mm-hmm. We, we tend to say at least a seven gallon, but our optimal way of growing would be to grow plants um, 
multiple multiple plants in the same bed. So these facilities that we work with, the basic process is they'll have beds, typically like a let's say a four by four bed or a three by three bed on a pallet. It's about 10 inches of depth. And then um, we will amend. So you'll, you'll plant like, let's say nine plants in there. So you'll, vet, you'll have a short veg, plant the plants in there, create a canopy really quickly in flower, uh, trellis it. And then you have an even canopy in that bed. Um, finish growing the cycle. At the end of the cycle, you take all the plants out. You pull the plant up by the by the base. Whatever root matter comes out is great, but you don't really worry about that. And then um, we will have soil tested a, a couple weeks out from harvest. I can take that soil test then and look at what the fertility levels are, and then make a recommendation for amending it. So on on the day that you harvest, you can reamend the bed um, that same day in twenty four to thirty six hours. You're bringing in your next your next uh, flowering crop. Mm-hmm. So there's no downtime. Um, and we're able to manage the fertility that way. Cause sometimes we're like, you have sufficiency in, in all your major nutrients. All you need to add is maybe a little bit of gypsum here to get a little bit of your calcium up or, right. or maybe you just need to add a little bit of nitrogen. But, um, this yeah. idea that we can just reamend blindly, we end mm-hmm. up with a lot of imbalances over time on a commercial scale. Yeah. Yeah. How would you usually amend the soil as well? Just top dress it with something. So some of our guys top dress, I like to mix the nutrients directly into the bed, at least six inches down. Right. Uh, yes, that is going to destroy some of the soil structure, but we're again, we're not talking about real soil here. We're talking about soilless media, even though we call it living soil. So it doesn't have the same soil structure. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it gets the, the nutrients down into the root zone faster, which when we're trying to do a crop every 50 flowering crop every, you know, 55 days. Um, you don't really want to wait for those nutrients to work their way down mm-hmm. into the root, into the root zone. Mm. Interesting, man. Interesting how you're saying living soil is a, a soilless medium. I haven't heard it put across like that before, but you, you're right, really. And it? it doesn't fit the actual definition of soil. No, there's no sand, silt or clay in there. Mm-hmm. And and so you just, you have to treat it differently. You have to understand what those differences are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of agronomists don't, don't understand those differences, which means interpretation of a soil test is very different for soilless media than it is for actual soil. So, and -hmm. what your target crop is, but um, yeah. And the biggest thing like that I would say is if you're, if you're formulating a soil is it all starts around your compost because everyone's compost can vary mm. quite a bit in, in fertility. So having, you know, knowing what your compost is, is really going to determine your recipe. Like there's so many recipes I see online or in forums, but unless they're based around the same compost source with the same fertility, you don't really know what you're mixing up. Mm, that's a good point. What about vermicompost? Do you use uh, worm castings? Yeah, I do. I think they're great, but just mm-hmm. like compost, you can still get a whole bunch of variability. Yeah. In them. Um, I think that's why them. my plants do okay because I use quite a bit of vermicompost and that shit just is very well balanced and got a lot of good stuff in there. A- absolutely. Yeah. And the, the biology in compost and vermicompost is going to be exponentially higher than what you'd see in a traditional soils, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, which is great. We have a friend Chad here in the waiting room. 
Oh, Ooh. Chad Westport. Yeah, Chad Westport. Yeah, let's yeah. get him in here. Yeah, he's yeah because he wants to talk about the the dope history podcast as well, which looks fucking super cool, man. Is he in? Is he in? Here he hey, is. He's in. Well, hello. What's up, bro? What's up? I am chilling. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, look at you with your dope history avatar and shit. Very I nice. know. I'm stepping up my game. Nice. Nice. So this is a project you both worked on together. Yes. Oh, because Tad is in here, Chad, in case you didn't know. Yes. Hey, Chad. Hey, Dad. Good to see you today. Just yeah. doing a little bit of work right now, actually, on the Dope History podcasts. Nice. Awesome. So are they not all finished yet? Like There's being... Sorry. A- couple little details to nail down on mm-hmm. the final episode so you know we we there it's been kind of a long process uh i'm sure as tad probably described of actually getting to the point where we're we haven't spoke about it at all yeah oh, waiting for well, you to arrive yeah we were talking about good. organics and soil and things good because uh tad is a wealth of knowledge there so mm-hmm. i'm glad that i'm hopping in late and we're talking about dope history now <laughs> but yeah it, it's a Nailing down a few of the last details, you know, this is a project that we put a lot of time and energy and love, and we see a huge potential for this. Mm-hmm. So we want to do it justice. So yeah, long way of saying not completely done. We're just tweaking a few little details. So what was it that started you on this journey? Because this, I mean, it feels like this should be some kind of TV show. You know, it's, it's... yeah, I'll, I'll take that question. Yeah, yeah. so. This started back in 2018. Um, it's four times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's go back a few years, right? Um, and uh, I was having conversations on the phone with uh, my, my buddy Nelson of Poetry Plants. And someone pretty famous had just passed away. I can't remember who it was that year. And we were talking about it. And, and we were talking about how like kids these days just don't understand what it was like growing up like growing cannabis and all the, like what kind of Mackie kind of like what you're dealing with right now in Europe, um, you know, where, where you have to hide it, where, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, you have all these crazy stories of all the shit you had to do to like not get caught or like get away with stuff or the fear associated with it. And there were all these people that came before us, even back in the seventies, eighties and nineties that really risked their lives in a lot of ways to Mm -hmm. grow this plant and get us to legalization. And we're like, man, you know, I wish I could have had like some of these stories before these people passed away because they're, they're, they're dying. Literally they're old now. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had this conversation and then we decided to do this podcast. And so I did a couple interviews in 2018. Um, I interviewed Eddie Lepp, um, which is one we've already published. And I also interviewed Keith Strop, who was the founder of Normal. Yeah. And and Eddie was the one who was the first person arrested under Proposition 215 in California. Um, he went to jail for uh, uh, quite a while. I want to say like 10 years um, for essentially for growing this plant under what he claimed was a religious exemption. And and so uh, we I really wanted to capture these stories. So I had the raw interviews. And then uh, Nelson wanted to see if we could like, he's a, he's a broad thinker and he immediately wanted this to become like a Netflix special thing, mm-hmm. um, which it absolutely could someday. Um, but it, it became this thing where it's like, okay, this production company wants $200,000 to make this into like a Netflix 
uh, special opportunity to even see if we could even get on or something. And, and, wow. you know, we didn't have that kind of money, obviously. So it just kind of didn't go anywhere. And that took a long time. And then Nelson got busy with life. I was kind of doing it on my own. Um, and I don't know how to do like the, the sound, the production, um, even just like the artistic rendering stuff I wasn't good at. And I didn't want this to be a podcast like my cultivation one, or like this one where it's like a question and answer podcast. I wanted to feel more like a, a production, like a story line where you're, you're really like drawn into the story and, and it's not a back and mm -hmm. forth. It's just them telling their life narrative. Um, so getting, getting some people in place that could actually create that, like take the interview and then cut it apart and, and put it back together in a way that like, did justice to these, you know, legends in a lot of ways, um, mm -hmm. was just a skill set I didn't have. And so then I worked, I was working with a marketing company who was going to put this together, but then they wanted like more rights to the podcast than I had. And then, then they had some stuff fall apart internally. So that all went away. And then finally I reached out, uh, like a fourth time on my Instagram and, and Chad actually replied back that he was interested in the project. And, you know, I interviewed a few people and then, uh, you know, Chad and I kind of did like a test episode together along with this other guy, uh, Chris, who's the, our sound, our sound guy. And, and frankly, it just, it, it really, it took a few little tweaks, but it really worked. And we ended up like Chad was able to like really create the podcast. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't exist without Chad. Like he did all the, a lot of the hard work with like taking these interviews and making them into like truly a story that that's really not just entertaining, but really informative. So I'm really proud of what we ended up with. And uh, that's sort of our team. It's the three of us. And it's so far, it's just been a passion project. We've got I think five episodes out right now, but we've got some really cool ones coming down the line here. And uh, yeah, I'll let Chad explain nice. the rest. Yeah. How many episodes are there all together, Chad? For the first season, there's eight episodes. Uh, so we've got Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, uh, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Siegel, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong rounding nice. out season one. It's nice. Have you heard of all those guys out of curiosity? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, just Eddie Lepp. I haven't heard of Eddie Lepp before, but everybody else, obviously, Frenchie Cannoli. We all know Frenchie. Uh, Keith Strupp from Normal. I know him. Yeah. I don't know him. I would have liked to get him on the show at some point, but he's always too busy. But we've had people from Normal be on the uh, be on the show before. But just uh, Tom awesome. Alexander, we interviewed him a few weeks ago. Man, he's a cool guy. Uh, oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. great. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's got a, a lot of stories to tell from way back in the day, hasn't he? He's been around for a very long time. He's definitely if there's going to be a dope history on the podcast name. Tom Alexander definitely needs to be in it. Definitely so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he was a big part of, you know, Operation Green Merchant, which yes. is is burned into uh, uh, legacy growers' minds, was mm -hmm. Operation Green Merchant. Uh, he also was responsible for Sensimilia Tips magazine, yep. which really was one of the first kind of printed and distributed grow guides, or at least conversations, uh, 
here in the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, Eddie Lepp, uh, he, he often, you know, most people called him OG Eddie Lepp because he was the OG, you know, as Tad said, um, unfortunately, he did give a portion of his life mm -hmm. for this plant in jail. It was 10 years. And above that, though, he, he was pretty blatant about what he did. Um, you know, I don't want to give away the whole story. Definitely go and check out the episode. Mm -hmm. um, just a teaser, had... just a little taste. I know, no, just the tip, just the tip. <laughs> so he, you know, Tad had mentioned um, he, he went under the guise of religious exemption, which legally there's precedent for it, but the judge deemed it irrelevant at the time of his sentencing. Um, motives unknown, one can speculate. Um, because Eddie really brought in a lot of people to the medicinal cannabis program in California. He was a uh, caregiver in the sense that he had a farm where people with licenses or permits were able to grow. And that exponentially increased as the years went on to the point where um, even though it wasn't the state that had an issue with it because he was, you know, legal and he let them know what he was doing, but the DEA <laughs> was not having any of that. So right. it, it's a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems like you, I mean, you got a fucking hell of a first season there, bro. We, I'm stoked, you know, the mm. Tad did a lot of awesome leg work, um, getting these done. Um, it's really fun. You said, you know, Keith Strop, um, that was a person I wasn't overly familiar with. Yes. I knew normal. Yes. I know what they have done, mm -hmm. but the actual founder and the origins of normal, it was fun for me to be able to go back and, you know, he did the interview in 2018, mm. But all of the, you know, history is history. It doesn't really yeah, change, man. and you know, unless the author changes. And it is, but, uh, it is being forgotten, man. It is, now it's being yeah. legalized over in the USA. All, like Tad said, all these young guys, they're just thinking it was fucking easy. Now everybody's getting involved in the game, like it's fun <laughs> to do. And it's like people generally put their life on the line for cannabis 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. You yeah, know, guys like you... Jorge and Ed Rosenthal, Tom Alexander, these legends, man. Who were doing it when we wasn't allowed to do it they're the people who we can't forget you know absolutely um you know it's fun for me right now wolf seagull uh seagull is the next episode to come out i believe that comes out uh monday the 23rd um but we're from the same area it, it's kind of funny he's telling stories of his childhood like okay so a perfect example he's like i sold my first lid on the ave and U district <laughs> in 1969 i'm like well geez 30 years later i was there buying sacks too so <laughs> it, it's fun to kind of hear some of these things but you know to your point so sea of green something pretty much every grower is familiar with these days you know we've got the internet we've got books sea of green people know it mm -hmm. um well seagull was the guy who came up with it Mm -hmm. um, which yeah it's like yeah, some things you just kind of assume have been around forever mm -hmm. um not necessarily the case well for if you're if you're 25 then it has been around forever uh but it's fun to go back and track some of these people and the origins of stuff like you said we just take for granted these days mm -hmm. it's a shame man but it's nice that somebody is going out there and, and making a podcast like dog history to 
highlight all of these things uh, and the struggles that went on in the past, which would be forgotten about otherwise, as everybody just opens up these huge companies. Yeah, I mean, you said it, man. Completely different landscape these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> there's, there's the only real risk you have is financial. Yeah, that's different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's it. It's like me and Monkey here. We have to sit behind these fucking avatars. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> we're, we're still there in the struggle, man. Yeah, the penalties down here are pretty severe for being caught doing what I'm doing, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately. And then, you know, there's there's those guys, Steve D'Angelo. I mean, have you got season two lined up yet? You got ideas for season two? Because Steve D'Angelo should definitely be in there with the, with the last Prisoner Project and the shit he's done in the past as well. He's always got I, a lot I, to say. Yeah, I love, you know, the last prisoner project uh, and their mission and what they're doing, because, yeah, believe it or not, as I sit in a legal state with my personal possession rights and, and my medical card to, to have a few plants, that could absolutely get you locked in jail in this country, just, mm-hmm. you know, 100 mm-hmm. miles away. Yeah, so exactly. it, it's far from over. And there are people in in jail right now for something that I have sitting on my desk, which is mind blowing. Yeah. But it's crazy, man, because we've been watching this TV show with the missus called um, Scream Queens. And the dean of the university was just freely there smoking a fat fucking joint. But just on TV, you know, obviously in California or something where it's legal and they can. And it's like how many people around the world are seeing this on the TV and thinking, isn't that illegal? When in in places in the USA now and Canada, it's like legitimately not fucking illegal. It's like drinking a cup of fucking coffee now. You know, maybe not that free, but it, it, we need to see more shit like that. You know, to normalize this to, around the world to all these people who are still living under prohibition. I think that's going to be a, a big change when the TV and all these TV shows just start showing cannabis being used in a normal way by normal people. I'm starting to see that now, though, Mac, you mm-hmm. look more and more, you know, that they're they're slowly but surely adapting the, the I guess, the mindset of society. Uh, but right now in, in the United States, it's still pretty split. I mean, I, we know that the majority of Americans want this thing uh, mm-hmm. recreationally legal, but the people who don't have a lot of power and a lot of money. So, yeah, and a lot of fucking ignorance to go with it. That's a fact, but you know, all we can do is wait and try to educate, man. Mm. So, how many episodes are released of Dope History now? Five, did you say? Yeah, I, th- I think that's where we're at right now. I think we're at five so far. And mm-hmm. you got six in the first season, so one more to go. Yeah, I think we have eight, eight in the first season. Here. Cool, yeah. cool. And, and I just want to say, like, the goal with the podcast was really like you could sit down with you know with your wife or with uh, with a buddy at the end of a long day or while you're trimming plants or just cruising in the car and just hear a story that you didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, about someone that you might've heard of, or, or you know, just may have played a major role in our industry. And, and down the line, like we really see this growing to not just be like these necessarily these famous people, but just some like cool stories. Like I have buddies that could probably tell some crazy stories that people mm-hmm. would love to hear that are related to the cannabis industry. Like I have, I have one guy who used to work for me who was telling me about how he used to, uh, smuggle cannabis in from from canada and he would uh he had moments where he was like running across the border 
uh, and like having to like hide, uh, you know, under bushes because there'd be helicopters and things looking for him and stuff. It's just, it was just crazy. And like to think about that now, like it just, mm. it, it, it's just a totally different landscape that we live in now than what we lived mm-hmm. in then. Different world altogether, man. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. So. And we can still see it here in the UK, and I'm sure Monkey can see it from the South uh, USA Absolutely. there as well. You know, how some people are just living we look like it's free, like you can do what the fuck you like. I know it's not the case. Everywhere has these restrictions and shit. But compared to what we have, it's like, damn, these people are so lucky. You know, we can still get, get fucking criminal record and shit here in the UK for possession of an eighth of cannabis and shit. It's like, damn, man, really? And that, you know, that eighth, that that conviction can really sculpt your life, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's anything like the U.S., but, you know, in the U.S., if you were caught at an early age, you were denied college loans because they were federal loans and you had this conviction. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, work history, these these types of things for, for a plan. It's mm-hmm. really silly, but... That's that's you know that is why it's important to to document it because in in fifty years, uh, I think just the thought of going to jail for a joint is not even going to be believable. You yeah, know that's yeah. a hope, but mm-hmm. you exactly where you're at, you're living that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yes, you just been, I mean, like, I, sorry, monkey. I said I actually know have friends that have gone to jail for a roach, not a joint, <laughs> a roach. That hurts. That it does hurts. hurt. But I mean, it, it can be that serious down here in the deep Fuck south. Up shit, people man. need to know and remember that people have to have lived with this. Mm-hmm. Just bullshit. It's like they call it a war on drugs, but really it's been a war on consciousness, man. Oh, it was a war on the citizens, not the drugs. Yeah, it's like we're just not allowed to expand our consciousness in any way because they said so. Some bullshit, man. Absolute bullshit. But you know, go go have some alcohol and get drunk if you want to. That's fine. <laughs> Don't get on. me started on that now. We're we all have an opinion on that one. Yeah, it's just some bullshit, right? <laughs> well, it, it, you mentioned the you know the deep south monkey. I've actually been talking to a person lately. Um, I'll just say in that region, and, and some of the stories he has, like there's actually a lot of history and a lot of generational um involvement with the movement of things like cannabis through these areas now Mm -hmm. we might have access to some of these people and their stories now from legal states because they still feel safe but you know like i'm sure mackie's gonna see you know knock on wood once it goes legal there there's gonna be some pretty cool people that you didn't know about coming out of the woodwork to tell the story and those are the people that we're trying to find now we you know mm-hmm. we want to get that preserved mm-hmm. but yeah just myself it's only been two less than two years since i've showed my face on camera wow so yeah that's kind of mind-blowing to me mm-hmm. frida <laughs> one day one day is you know it's it, it's inevitable it has to happen eventually we can't keep going on with this bullshit prohibition. The, the game is up, man. Everybody sees how much bullshit the war on drugs has been. And nobody has faith in the authorities anymore because we've been persecuted for bullshit for way too long. You know, Nobody trusts the police here in the UK because they just prosecute people for bullshit laws like 
possession of a small amount of cannabis and being a little bit fucking high, you know, and not just cannabis, other drugs as well, man. Everybody sees how much bullshit is. It, it, all these victimless crimes that people have had to suffer consequences for, it, it's just bullshit, man. It's fucked us in so many different ways. And people don't have uh, faith in the authorities anymore because of it. They've done it to themselves, man. It is kind of, it can be kind of a wedge issue. It can be divisive. Um, you know, like, like you said, there's, I just remember cops, you know, in Seattle, uh, when it was medical and not quite recreational, they, you know, they still had to stop you. Usually it was like, put it on the ground, grind it out, unless you're being a jerk or you had a whole bunch. But, uh, you know, I'd ask them about, you know, how they feel. And a lot of them are like, look, my, my opinion's kind of irrelevant. This is the law and mm -hmm. that is what mm -hmm. I'm here to enforce. Yeah. And that does create some tensions in, in different communities in, in, you know, cities. And I think that would go a long way. Just legalization. Again, we all agree that, you know, driving impaired, no good, don't want to be on the road with you. So, you know, whether you're drunk, whether you're high, whether you're on prescription pills from your doctor, don't get behind the wheel. We can mm -hmm. all agree on that. Yep. Aside from that, though, uh, enjoying a J in the park, not near the swing set or the kids, but enjoying a J in the park shouldn't be an arrestable offense. Mm -hmm. And that would go a long way to improve those relationships, I think, with just repair some of society's damage. Yeah. It's going to take a generation at least to fix it all, though. Let me get back into dope history. I got a question for you guys. You've only got five episodes released so far, but is there anything in those five episodes that you've discovered that you, you were surprised by and never knew before? Give us a teaser to make everybody want to go listen to the episode. Going back to the Keystrop episode and Normal, one of the original sources of funding for Normal blew my mind. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> there you go. That's a perfect teaser. That's, that right there is enough to make somebody want to go back and, and listen to that. And I will go back and listen to it. Yes. Yeah, so where can everybody go find the Dope History podcast? Uh, well, I was going to I was going to throw out one real quick, too, and then I'll tell you that. But sweet, also sweet. he also tells a story of meeting Hunter S. Thompson at the Democratic National Convention and then going with him to uh, Colorado to uh, a wedding i can't remember whose wedding it was right now um i need to listen to it again but the uh essentially don henley and the eagles live next door and were performing Shit. uh live off the balcony and he was dropping acid and he actually wished he'd been more sober for it <laughs> no that, that's perfect man just smashing acid listen to the eagles <laughs> on the balcony Shit. damn with hunter s thompson yeah. <laughs> so pretty like these are like people historical figures that you think of and like you're talking to the people who live these memories it's pretty insane yeah um, that's crazy man imagine that for an experience but uh, yeah you can check it out dopehistory.com uh on instagram at dope history podcast we're on youtube um every major streaming platform uh, we've started a Patreon that we haven't really announced yet that we're going to have some extra content, the raw videos, um, everything on there too. But, uh, yeah, we're just, we're just getting everything launched and, uh, hoping people will tune in. No, no, no doubt they will, man. It's, it looks like a very well put together series and the, the content's going to be quality with the guests that you've got on the show as well. I've got no doubt that a lot of people will be tuning in for that. How long is each episode? 
generally about an hour i think hmm. the the ed rosenthal which we just put out um, a couple days ago i think that's the shortest one that was about 35 40 minutes uh the wolf seagull episode which is the next one it's probably going to be our longest but you know plus or minus 10 minutes they're about an hour mm-hmm. it's a good amount of time for an interview you know sorry ted Oh, I was just going to say, because Chad puts it all together, I, I interviewed Tommy Chong twice. I wasn't sure if that was going to end up being uh, two episodes or one. Nice. Um, but I got a lot of content with him. Yeah, he, he likes to just talk for ages, doesn't he? As long as his wife doesn't appear in the background and be like, Tommy, we got to go do something. <laughs> exactly. It happened to us more than once. Mm. Oh, you guys had him on too? He's great. Yeah, he comes on regularly. He's coming on for like the sixth time now. Uh, I think yeah. February 3rd, I think, is the date Tommy John's coming on next. Oh, that's I think awesome. he even had him uh, for his birthday too, right? Yeah, we had a birthday session with him last year. Yeah. That's so rad. Oh, you guys are old friends. Yeah, he's yeah. We, we we are lucky to have interviewed fucking like everybody, man. Such legends have been on this show. And I don't know how the fuck we've done it. And they always want to come back as well. I don't know why. <laughs> but we just have a good time with all these legends. Yeah, we interviewed Frenchie Cannoli back in the day. That was one yeah. of the, that was one of the fucking epic ones, man. You know, because unfortunately he isn't with us anymore. So many legends. Jorge Cervantes has been like five or six times now he's been here. We've had Ed Rosenthal loads of times. Uh, we've yeah. Jeff Lowenthal's man. We've got Jeff Lowenthal's on the show. There's Steve D'Angelo and Alex D'Angelo's brother. You know, is it Andrew? I can't remember. Yeah, you got to hook us up with a, a lead on Steve so we can get him on Dope History. Oh, cool. Well, I've, awesome. yeah, I've recently sent his email to the uh, the high ladies because they're trying to get him on the show as well. But he said he's not doing any interviews right now. He's busy. But I'll drop the drop the email to you so you can get in touch with him. But Appreciate it, it might be a couple of months or something before he's ready to do some interviews. But yeah, yeah my, my little black book is uh packed out, bro. I've got fucking contacts for anybody. So if you're looking for somebody, let me know, man. Let me know. I'll help you out, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, really, Mackie. Uh, you've been very helpful for me uh in the past, and you guys have your the back catalog here is really insane for, for her podcast. <laughs> and you know, I you know, like dope history, like Tad said, it's it's different than the typical podcast and what you guys do and probably why these people love coming back is you're not like anything else you're you're, you guys just kind of have the conversation and that was kind of our goal too it's like we're not going to be sticklers to dates we're not going to be you know if you make a factual error okay that's you know it just happens no what do you expect this is not the bbc motherfucker right (laughs) stories yeah stories are what's you know stories are the interesting thing for Mm, for me and you know that's why i enjoyed your show for a while and and i don't doubt why people keep coming back and want to be here plus the accent man the accent never hurts but the australian (laughs) one australian (laughs) accent yeah that's it that one yeah it's good fun man it's it's a privilege to be able to speak to all of these legends and legends like you guys as well you know just we have a nice cannabis community and we all get to chat together and you you know share ideas share contact details and just have a good fucking time while we enjoy this plant which we all love good shit man i enjoy doing it yeah i i just want to say i really appreciate you guys i I appreciate you having me on i actually have to get going here i got another meeting i gotta run into but um that's cool it's always a pleasure speaking to you tad anytime you want to come back man if you've got something to hustle you know something going on with kiss or you know the next season of dope history anything like that just give us a shout man you're always welcome bro 
No, I appreciate that. No, it's, it's been a lot of fun and uh, I'm glad we got Chad in here too. He's uh, he's been great on, on the project and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what's coming on down, down the road. Good things, man. Good things. Cool. All right. Take care, fellas. Yeah, man. Take care, Ted. See you, Ted. We'll see you soon, man. Have a good day. Everything, man. Right. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. I need to get a waving avatar. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just, I just waved goodbye to him. Too. I, I actually, I, I didn't wave. I threw the horns. I was like, later. Oh, yeah. Not on camera. <laughs> now we do it all the time. We wave, <laughs> but nobody ever sees us wave. <laughs> okay. Ah, look at that. Monkey's got it. That'll work. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>so there we go everybody that was chad and tad who are working on the dope history project make sure you go and check out their podcast man it sounds super cool they've got loads of great guests on their show there are eight episodes for you to go out and download all for free as well so make sure you head to itunes or spotify or whatever network you prefer to use and find the dope history podcast and download it check it out i'm sure you're going to enjoy it but in the meantime thank you for downloading and listening to this show i hope you enjoyed this interview of course there are about a hundred other interviews which you can go and download that we've done in the past and just head over to our website highonhomegrown.com slash interviews and you'll see all of our interviews there you can just click straight on the web page and it'll download straight from the site there so head over there and download some interviews highonhomegrown.com slash interviews uh, i hope you enjoyed this interview i hope you enjoyed the next one next week there's a interview tomorrow for the vips with queen of the sun so if you are a VIP, make sure you come and check that out on our YouTube channel. But in the meantime, that's it for now. We'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides and have a good week. Maybe we'll catch you on Sunday for the live show. Stay high, stay safe, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.